Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters, 10 volumes available at Amazon in paperback and ebook. And for the audio buffs out there, nine of the 10 are currently available at Audible, iTunes and Amazon as well. So please go out and pick up a copy or two. And now may I introduce you to my brother, and co-host, K.J. Sheehan. Kev, how are you today? I'm doing all right. How about you, Bill? Marvelous, marvelous. You know, I, uh, you remember I put a water pump in my outboard prior to like, you know, in the spring. It was still cool out. Right. I took it out fishing with my buddy Danny. We got a dozen striped bass. Uh, and a couple of days later, the boat was back home, of course. I went to uh, flush out the engine and no water. Ah. So here I was off for six days uh, and uh, I couldn't fish, but I got it back and he only charged me for some parts. Oh, that's good. So I have a feeling that uh, perhaps one of his lesser mechanics in the shop had their hands in it and overlooked something. Yeah, well, that is a challenge these days. <laughs> yeah. You know... They put a part in, and then they go back to the YouTube on their phone, and <laughs> then they realize the boss is coming, and they put the phone away and start working again, you know. <laughs> so I have a feeling something went on there. Something wasn't done up to snuff, and uh, I paid the price for it, you know. Ah, that's too bad. Yeah. At least, yeah. At least you weren't out on the water. Better for it to break in your driveway than uh, out in the ocean. Yeah, well, you know, it was a weird thing, too, because this thing was pumping water like gangbusters. Mm. And then I went to flush it out in the yard, you know, with the muffs on and the hose going, and I couldn't even get a drip out of it. Mm. But uh, when he showed me this impeller, this thing was melted. It looked like a dog was chewing on it. (laughs) It was bad. I mean, it was really bad. Maybe a dog man. Yeah, it could be. (laughs) So what do we have today, Kevin, our cryptids in the news and other oddities? Well, you know, about a week ago, Bill, as you know, I think you know, I was down uh, working uh, around Hot Springs, Arkansas. Uh Uh-huh. And while I was down there, I was roaming around. Of course, I saw the Hot Springs, the famous Hot Springs, which are pretty cool folks if you're anywhere around uh, Arkansas to go check out the old buildings where the natural hot springs bubble up into the bathhouses. They're all still there and 
apparently Al Capone and some of his friendly uh, uh, buddies used to hang out there. They'd come down from Chicago and get some of the healing uh, presence of hot springs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the healing, ca- heal- healing properties of a 38 slug. Exactly. Maybe it helped out if you had a little Tommy gun wound. <laughs> <laughs> from a federal agent. Can you picture those guys in the in the springs, you know, and some mug standing alongside with a forty-five caliber Browning, you know, yeah, just big, in, just big in case. Big cigar out of the corner of their mouth. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in case somebody should what show up. What are you up. looking at? <laughs> hey, Muggsy, get him out of here. And I don't uh, care what you do with him. <laughs> But anyway, I was down there and I was like, wow, you know, I mean, first off, Arkansas is a beautiful state. So any of your listeners that are down there, it's like such a natural place, such a beautiful place. But it is um, super rural. I shouldn't say but, I should say and it is super rural. I mean, like 10 minutes outside of Hot Springs, you are in the rolling woods very dense, and uh, also a lot of, like, streams and rivers running through it. So naturally, you know, I'm down there amidst the dense green brush, uh, the river running through it, beautiful clear water rolling over the rocks and stuff like that, and I'm looking around, (laughs) and I'm thinking, this is good country for a large hairy man that we know. Uh-huh. So I figured I would take another look, and I know we have covered the uh, Falk Monster from Falk, Arkansas, which is down in southwest Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, how far away is Falk? And, you know, it's not that far at all from Hot Springs. Hot Springs is up northeast of Falk and southwest of Little Rock, being the biggest city. So uh, Hot Springs is between Falk and Little Rock, so same type of country where... Uh, they see a lot of Bigfoot, and I figured, I'll let me go and look and see what other kinds of uh, sightings they're seeing around this region of southwest Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to look at today. And, you know, the sightings down there go back to around early 1900, I think 1908. Right? It's remarkable, isn't it? You know, again, we're talking 100 years ago. And, and probably well well before that, but, you know, what we can get our hands on right. is over 100 years old. Right. And, and what they see down there is pretty similar to, you know, what we would describe as a Bigfoot. It seems like in a lot of the, the sightings down there, they talk about the cone-shaped head, mm-hmm. which I guess that's kind of consistent with Bigfoot sightings, right, Bill? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people use the word conical or pointy. Right. I mean, obviously, it doesn't come to a point like a nail, but they're describing something quite different than, you know, our own skull. Yep, exactly. And I think that's kind of consistent with uh, the Patty film, for example. It's kind of uh, conical. Not, yeah, not conehead like a conehead from Saturday Night Live, but <laughs> probably not from France either. <laughs> yeah, those coneheads, that was the dumbest. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. And, you know, uh, there are some people that talk about a conehead that really is 
uh, like a cone, you know, like the old handheld uh, cheering thing at the college football games, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they say that that area of the skull is bald, mm. whereas, you know, and then the hair starts. So maybe uh, maybe some Bigfoot is suffering from pattern baldness. Yeah, it could be. Receding <laughs> hairline <laughs> on the cone. Well, but, but, you but, know, they talk about it, of course, as being very large, you know, eight or nine feet tall, up to 400 pounds, probably light on the pounds. But again, we've talked about how hard it is to estimate that. Yeah. With brownish red or black hair, unusually long arms. Yeah. And uh, people down there have seen them in groups, too. So several Bigfoot, not just one by itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a, a sighting here I'm going to go through from a gentleman named William Lunsford. And he had his first encounter about 40 years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he describes it as the beast began to stand up and he lifted a branch and kept standing and kept standing, you know, so getting taller and taller. Mm-hmm. And he says, I immediately just froze. Recalls wow. Lunsford. And at that time, Lunsford was 17 years old, and he was fishing. So he's out there in the woods, like I was describing, these beautiful crystal clear streams and rivers, dense woods all around him, a lot of greenery, and all of a sudden he sees this creature, gets a glimpse of it, and it's like lifting up a branch and starting to stand up. Can you imagine... I no. mean, you want to talk about, <laughs> and and of course he reached immediately for the camera he didn't have. Well, yeah, that's forty five years ago. So. <laughs> yeah, um, and then he's uh, he's so so he's saying he's about forty yards away, and um, he says I can't hardly breathe. Wow. So you were asking, how can you imagine? Here we go. Let's put ourselves in Thomas's uh, place. He says I can't hardly breathe. There's tears that are streaming down my face, and I've actually wet my pants, he said. Wow. Yeah. And he says the encounter, now on a continuous video loop in his brain, he says that emotion from that day 40 years ago in April is still fresh. Yeah, you know, you're not going to soon forget that. No. You know, and it doesn't matter what anybody says or thinks. And if you haven't told anybody, you're not even really venting it uh, to anyone. But uh, you are not going to forget that moment. I mean, that is just like etched in your brain. No, it's like uh, I'm sure it's a form of uh, PTSD, you know. Yeah. I mean, he says he goes on to say, I can see everything just as it happened. I can feel everything. It's been so many years ago, but it's so affected my life. Hmm. Amazing, right? Yeah, no, it is. You know, when I told you I've had some experiences, uh, I'll never forget them. Yeah. And uh, and that's why I can share and empathize with other people, because uh, I get it. <laughs> if anyone gets it, I get it. And I understand uh, what you're up against, you know. But, uh, you know, uh, on a side note, uh, a friend of the podcast and a friend of mine, my buddy Philip down in Kentucky, uh, he's a Cherokee. 
His grandmother was uh, full-blooded Cherokee. And he refers to, like, two different things going on down there. They had a, a being that they called the Wild Man. Yeah, and, and they do in Arkansas, too. They talk about the Wild Man of Arkansas as well. Yeah, so, and this is like, uh, who knows? I mean, we don't know. We're guessing, we're speculating. But this Wild Man... Uh, to me is more like, you know, Cro-Magnon man, uh, not fully covered, uh, not like a Bigfoot, but they are uh, said to be cannibals. Mm. So they will, they will come after humans and they are definitely not uh, frail little stick figures uh, when people encounter them. They're, they're a force to be reckoned with, you know. Yeah, yeah. In Arkansas, the Arkansas wild man, um, the sightings of that date back to 1834. Yeah, and I'm sure before that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. But, but. yeah, wild stuff. So we're going to talk about another account down here. So um, um, another uh, sighting was recorded by a woman named Heather Owens. And she says, right here, and this occurred in 2011, right here, I slammed on my brakes, and it was probably from me to you, says Heather Owen. And I don't think she means from me to you, Bill, like 600 miles. Well, that's close. (laughs) (laughs) She says, uh, uh, you know, in 2011, she was driving down Williams Road in the dead of night, In an open field behind a bale of hay, Owen says a Bigfoot stood up. So a little similar. Yeah. And she's out at the site talking to this reporter, and she says all this here was smashed down, along with that fence, she recalls. And the reporter writes, whether it's a smashed down fence or a hand and footprint cast, Wayne Coombs isn't buying it. Uh I'm a skeptic. Seeing is believing, I guess. The only thing that I can believe in that I don't see is God himself. Uh (laughs) I saw that quote. I had to grab it. Yeah, oh, yeah. (laughs) Bless him. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, they just talk about the fact that everyone's seeing them down there. There's not a lot of pictures of them. Um, And, um, you know, they're, they're... pretty shy you know we know that and they're pretty camouflaged and of course in a place like southwest arkansas where there's not that many people around anyway Mm -hmm. um you know it's tough to have a witness and then if somebody does see it are they going to tell anybody yeah because you don't like it makes me think about susan you know eddie's wife yeah uh, she grew up in Arkansas. No, I know. I'm not sure what town, but right around there, yeah. Yeah, and they lived in a house uh, out in the woods with horses and everything else. They couldn't even see their nearest neighbor. Right. And uh, I'm surprised they never saw anything, but I bet you there was things around there. And you're not necessarily going to see, as I say, unless you're looking. Right. And... Uh, but, uh, yeah, they were in the woods, man. And so I'm sure these buggy... You know, another thing, too, in both of these little snippets that you just uh, delved into, both of these creatures were hidden and exposed themselves. Yeah. 
So they wanted to be seen or wanted to see you. We don't know. Uh, but they could have remained hidden, and they didn't. Uh, the guy fishing and then the other woman. Uh, so who knows what that is? Are they sizing you up when they're suddenly seen? And uh, who knows if they're having thoughts of perhaps doing something. Uh, we don't know. But you know, Kev, my feelings that if you meet up with Bigfoot and go home, you had a good day. Absolutely. And uh, I'm not saying they were just there to like, yeah, I'm over here. No, and I think, you know, the sighting <laughs> I talked about here where, you know, the gentleman talks about what it felt like when he was 17 years old and he saw it. It's a good reminder of how frightened you would actually be. Yeah. It's not a pleasant thing. Right. So, right. Uh, I mean, you know, if I'm hiking through the woods and I suddenly realize, holy cow, there's a freaking 700-pound grizzly bear about 40 yards away from me right now. Not and, pleasant. And yeah. he's looking at me. Yeah. Uh, I'm not thinking good thoughts. Oh, what a nice bear. Look at how furry he is. I wonder if he wants to share lunch with me. Let me ask him. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, he wants to share lunch with you and your lunch. <laughs> <laughs> How about a nice uh, Kevin thigh for dinner? Oh, hey. <laughs> well, you're making it personal. Yeah. No, that's poisonal. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So that's it, Bill. And it's just a good reminder getting down there around Hot Springs of, you know, how rural these places are that we often read about and cover accounts from and then when you're out there and you're looking at and uh, you know the I was near this little waterfall at one point and the water was like crystal clear um rolling over these rocks about 20 feet wide and and the trees coming down next to it were so dense um you could see you know you could imagine uh you know if you were this gentleman seeing something, looking at it, and being like, what the heck is that? And then all of a sudden, seeing it lift up a branch of the tree yeah. to get a better look at you and be like, oh. Yeah, well, you know, when you look at, uh, I hate to use the example, but let's just say you look at some war footage of uh, guys in camo with face paint on and leaves and branches stuck in their helmets. I, I mean, if they're in the woods... And they're sneaking up on you. Uh, unless you get that twig snap or somebody sneezes, you have no idea that these dudes got you in their sights. Yeah, you're not. You're not going to see them. No, no, and you're not going to. It, it brings up a good point. You know, when you, you you think of the terror that this gentleman writes about that he felt right when when he saw this creature lifting up the branch and standing up, even if 40 years ago he had a phone in his pocket, you know, while he's peeing in his pants, yeah. is he going to be taking his phone out to take a picture of it? No. Probably he, not. No, he's, right? he is in a state of shock at that moment. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, 
But by the way, Kev, I, f- I forgot to ask you, did you test the crystal clear water for PCBs and contaminants while you were there? Oh, there aren't any there. It's beautiful Arkansas. <laughs> it says it on the billboard. <laughs> There's no factories no. around there. <laughs> yes, but there could be beavers urinating upstream. <laughs> Listen... I have a, uh, you want to talk about Freaky Deaky, you're going to get it today. All right. And uh, I got to ask you coming into this, Kev, because I'm sure you've been there. I haven't asked you, I am sure you've been there. Have you ever been to the uh, Cape Disappointment Lighthouse? Oh, I have been to the Cape Disappointment Lighthouse. (laughs) How did I know that? (laughs) (laughs) Cape Blanco, Disappointment, all those places along the Oregon coast. Yeah, well, get ready, because this is, uh, we're going to get our freak on here. Uh, this account was told to me by a fellow named Ned Hayes, a mechanical engineer from Arizona. His story, as you will soon hear, is so bizarre that really mere words cannot begin to explain or discern what exactly happened to him and his host, or what is exactly it that they encountered. In June of 1993, I was on a routine business trip visiting a client in Washington State. Right. I said Oregon. I'm at Washington. Sorry about that. Yeah. Coastal Washington. Yeah. Coast, I've, I've been up and down those coasts of Northern California, Oregon, and Washington so many times camping. And it's like, you know, you don't, you don't have to show your passport when you cross from one to the other, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of, you know, you're unaware because it's really like it the, looks the all same. the same. It's beautiful. Yeah. It looks the same, you know. So he says, I was with this client's chief engineer for the week, troubleshooting some machinery and systems which they had purchased from us. On Thursday night after dinner, the chief engineer, Toby, invited me to check out the North Head Lighthouse and the surrounding woods on Saturday night. So it was the North Head Light, Kev, but they were at Cape Disappointment. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and that's right Uh, on, Cape Disappointment is right on the Columbia River, which separates Washington from Oregon. So, you know, you there's a big, tall bridge, a little spooky, by the way, at least to me, that goes across the span of the Columbia River. And this is, Bill, one of the places where you see, you know, when they're doing those specials on the Coast Guard and stuff like that, where they're yeah. uh, rolling over those uh, craft that they have that can actually roll over in the surf yeah. and survive. That's out there by Cape Disappointment, where the Columbia River meets the Pacific Ocean. Tremendously treacherous area. Yeah, big sandbars. You know, I think they call it the bar. Like, they don't even call it the Columbia River bar. Just the bar. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, good insight there from you. Now, so he says, Toby, this chief engineer invited me to check out the North Head Lighthouse and the surrounding woods on Saturday night. At the time, I was 26 years old, and Toby was 27. As he began to tell me that it was a pretty creepy place and that there was a lot of deadly history surrounding the area. The area which the lighthouse looks over is known as the Graveyard of the Pacific, 
Thousands of ships and many lives were lost in the area through the years as captains and vessels attempted to enter the Columbia River's mouth. There was apparently an area below the lighthouse bluffs named Dead Man's Cove, in which the bodies of one such wreck's crew washed up on the beach, the spirits of whom are said to be seen in the area and even climbing the bluffs. He also mentioned something about a lighthouse keeper's wife committing suicide there, as well as other creepy paranormal activity. Well, I have to tell you, this was a ghost story for the record books, and he had reeled me in hook, line, and sinker. Saturday came around. The weather was dismal, to say the least. The sky was dark gray as the afternoon waned, and the wind was gusting to 50 miles per hour, howling over the bluffs upon which the lighthouse sat. There was maybe 20 minutes of fading daylight left when we entered the woodsy trail, which Toby said led to the lighthouse. I'm not even sure we were allowed to be there at the time, which is neither here nor there. I was simply following Toby's lead. Flanking this trail were moss-covered trees and bushes in patches and sections along the way. We could hear the surf pounding as we made our way through the trail. The wind was barreling through the trees at a rate that made me almost fearful of what was waiting for us at the trail's end. Well, the fear that was waiting for us was not to be at the trail's end at all. What I'm about to say to you is so out of the box insane that I don't expect you or anyone else to believe me. We were coming through one of the patches of forestation where I was actually holding my hat on my head to keep it from flying away. This is something that had already happened once. During one of the wind gusts, I had turned my head to my left with my hand on my head, and Toby was just yards ahead of me with his his head bowed to the ground, trying to do the same. My eyes at that time were looking into the trees. When I saw the figure of a man wearing a traditional Native American type of clothing, walking through the trees just ahead of us. I couldn't believe my eyes, and I quickly stepped forward, hitting Toby on the shoulder and telling him to look. We stopped dead in our tracks as we watched this Indian, who appeared to be a chieftain of some sort based on his costume, walk up into the trees where he vanished from view. What I'm saying to you is that we were watching him in full body form, complete with clothing, his hair blowing in the wind, and then he just dematerialized before our eyes. I said to Toby, did we just see that? And he followed up by saying, I told you this place was creepy. We stepped into the woods and looked all around. 
but there was not so much as a trace of this Indian we had just seen. Toby told me that the Native Americans used to inhabit this area in the thousands, but were gradually pushed out by the white men to the point that there were only a handful left today. He also said that they considered this to be a very spiritual and somewhat haunted area. As if what I have told you so far was not crazy enough, what happened next was the topper. This Indian had vanished, perhaps 30 yards ahead of us, and at the time, he was almost moving at what I would say was a trot, like he was pursuing something through the woods. His face was forward, and his shoulders were somewhat hunched over, leaning into his forward movement in the gusting wind. We got up to the trail to a point where we were just beyond where he had disappeared, and the wind was actually increasing. At this point, the gusts had to have been more than 70 miles per hour and were buffeting us so hard that it was stopping us from moving ahead at times. We were also walking in just about total darkness as nightfall set in. Toby stopped, and I looked up as his feet, I saw his feet stop walking. Just ahead of us, standing in the middle of the trail upon which we were walking, was a huge Sasquatch with glowing red eyes waving at us in a way that said, Come this way. I looked at Toby, and he looked at me. And as we turned back, the creature was walking away from us, heading up the trail at a quick pace. As you would imagine, we were none too quick to follow. And at this point, we were more than a little freaked out. So we stood our ground. The Sasquatch had disappeared around a bend just ahead of us. And we gradually pursued as darkness was virtually upon us. I can't even believe these guys did this. When we, <laughs> when we had made it around the bend, there was no sign of this creature. The woods had opened up into a grassy area with nothing in sight except for the vast ocean. The Sasquatch had to have been 10 feet tall, and its eyes were glowing like two red flashlights. Why it was there and why it was waving at us to come forward is beyond me, but that's what happened. Well, the two of us had quite enough entertainment for one night and hightailed it out of there. What all of this was about is anyone's guess, and I, for one, haven't got a clue as to why all of this had transpired and to what end. What exactly the Indian and the Sasquatch had to do with each other, if anything at all, is beyond the imagination of man, and that includes me. What do you think of that, Kev? Holy moly. <laughs> and that, I can tell you, Bill, like that wind gusts and stuff like that, that's all par for the course. 
along that coastline. I mean, I remember going to visit some of the lighthouses out there where um, they actually had signs to hold on to your children firmly because you could get blown off of the bluff. Man, I, I, I could see it just getting the best of you, like somebody shoving you in the back. Yeah, and of course, if the place is called Cape Disappointment, <laughs> yeah, it's generally not a good thing. But it's interesting, Bill, while you were talking about it, I was like, okay, the North Head light and the regular light. And I think even the person writing uh, about this to you or talking to you about this sighting, they may even be slightly mixed up because there's, but it's, it's because everything has similar names out there and they're all these, uh, you know, quote unquote, disappointing names. Yeah. So let me tell you. So the North Head Lighthouse, let me describe it for you. So Cape Disappointment is this point uh, that kind of juts out uh, into the Pacific and into the Columbia River. So, you know, it would be if you were coming east on the Pacific Ocean, the left-hand entrance of the, the left-hand side of the entrance to the Columbia River is Cape Disappointment. Okay. And the lighthouse that you would first see from the Pacific is the North Head Lighthouse. Uh-huh. Um, so it's kind of north of the entrance um, whereas the Cape Disappointment Lighthouse is actually inside the entrance. Ah, okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. But get this. Right next to the North Head Lighthouse, there's a hollow called Dead Man's Hollow. Ah. And right next to the Cape Disappointment Lighthouse, there's a hollow or a little inlet called Dead Man's Cove. Oh, so you got Dead Man's Hollow and Dead Man's Cove Dead Man's virtually. Cove, yeah. Shouldering each other. Yeah, but but all of them are right there, uh, you know, in this uh, wilderness of uh, Cape Disappointment. A couple of campgrounds, some hiking trails, and then back behind now, of course, the Cape Disappointment Lighthouse, which is in uh, on the inside of the Columbia River entrance, is the U.S. Coast Guard station Cape Disappointment. So that's the one you see on the Weather Channel and stuff like that. Yeah, well, that place is nasty business. Yeah. And hold on to your kids. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how about these guys? Their head's down. The wind is increasing. They're holding their hats on their head and leaning into these gusts, uh, which apparently were coming over the bluff, hitting them head on. Uh, better than coming behind you if you were out there, you know. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. And this, how about these spirits or whatever they're seeing now? Ah, yeah, that is just. I mean, so like in this case, Bill, what do you make of it? You think that's a flesh and blood Bigfoot or some kind of spirit thing? No, nah, sounds that, like a spirit thing. Yeah, right? th- there's definitely something going on there. Some type of uh, deception going on there to try to, for whatever reason. Uh, thankfully, they didn't pursue. They walked. I would imagine they went slowly, took a little look, and then just said, you know what, man, uh, uh, cooler heads prevailed, and they said, let's just yeah, get maybe, the heck out of here. Maybe we shouldn't walk through the gates of hell. Yeah, that's a good idea, right? <laughs> Welcome. Please, come in. Come on in. Yeah. Water's fine. Yeah. And <clears throat> the wind's not blowing as hard in here. Come on in. Yeah. Welcome to disappointment. <laughs> wow. 
So yeah, I wonder, awesome. Kev, I wonder what happened there. Maybe at the time I took this down, I miswrote my notes or going over them. Uh, uh, his commentary may have been about this one lighthouse. Well, and but- not only that, Bill, <clears throat> I get mixed up. You know, like I've been up and down this coast 10 times, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, I get mixed up about which one because they all have similar names. Yeah. And he was a visitor. Uh, right. What did Ned say? He came from Arizona to yeah. uh, work over here on some equipment that these people had purchased from his company. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, it, it, it could easily happen one way or the other. But, uh, man, you want to talk about Freaky Deaky. Yeah. Uh, Bigfoot wow. with red eyes waving at him like, come wow. this way. Yes. That doesn't sound natural at all. <laughs> hey boys, come on over. Follow me. Come on over. Everything's fine. Yeah, like a black-eyed kid, right? Hey, can I use your telephone? Sure. Come on in. <laughs> you look like a nice little boy. Hey, I've never seen anybody with shark eyes before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're normal. Me and my brother here, Teddy, we have the same eyes. Our father had them too. You may know him. His name is Satan. All of our friends have them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like a black eyed kid's laugh. <laughs> what makes you think he's not here? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so that's it. What do we got on a list of mail today, bro? <clears throat> oh, we got some good listener mail. So, um,. The first one comes in from one of our senior correspondents out in the field, perhaps our first senior correspondent, and we'll be talking about a little milestone here. So let's celebrate Rick from Ohio, our first senior correspondent. (laughs) And he writes in, hi, WJ and KJ. Thanks for covering the potential Bigfoot caught on camera on the Cass River uh, case. Cass River, yeah, in uh, Michigan. That's what I did, I think, last week, maybe the week before. Yep. I'll be passing through that area on vacation in a few weeks, and we'll have eyes wide open for the hairy man. All right. Like a good senior correspondent, Rick. Yeah. If we don't talk to him again, we know what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Rick, make sure to write in and let us know you're okay. Um And he says, I noted on the website that the next podcast, in fact, this one that you're listening to now, folks, will be number 200. (laughs) Hey, Bill, get one of those black-eyed kids that's sitting next to you to blow a bugle. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) And Rick writes, congratulations on the milestone and thanks for the work you put into the podcast. And the enjoyment that I and your huge worldwide audience get from listening every week. Onward with an exclamation point. Easy for me to say. (laughs) Thank you, Rick. And it is indeed our 200th episode, which who could imagine, Bill, that we'd be recording our 200th episode? (laughs) Yeah, well, we started with numero uno. Literally, yeah. Yeah, I was just like, well, here we go. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll do five of them. <laughs> Holy mackerel. So thank you, Rick, and thanks for picking up on that. 
Uh, it's good to celebrate the small things in life. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. All right. And our next one comes in from Angela. And she says, hi, guys. Uh, sorry if you got multiple emails. I had issues on my end. Wasn't sure if it got sent. That's okay, Angela. Better to send a few rather than just one. Um, and she says, anyway, there is an excellent doc on Ch on Chestnut Ridge UFO slash Bigfoot on YouTube. And she says, check it out. Tons of great information. You might want to cover it on a future podcast. Hmm. So, Angela, thank you very much for the tip. I love uh, getting the tips from listeners out there. And uh, as all of you listeners know, I have been uh, covering a lot of them that you suggest. I go and research them and put them up. So, yeah, it's always good to hear from you folks. And remember, you know, if you have so if you've seen something, say something, or if you have a tip. Go to BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com and just hit the contact button. And, uh, exactly. I'll uh, get up with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and our next one comes from James, and I put from a big city because he was a little anonymous where he's from, and that's okay. Uh, so we'll just say a big city. But James writes in and says, I enjoy your podcast. I like the format of your show. But your heavy New York accent, which put me off at first, I must admit. Then I realized that you and Kevin were for real and truly enjoy what you do. <laughs> we are quite for real, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to say we're acting, but this is it. This is it. Sorry <laughs> for the accent, buddy boy. <laughs> And he says, I'm binge listening to all of your podcasts and often listen at warp speed. Well, about 1.5 to 2.0 time factor. Holy mackerel, James. I have listened to other podcasts at uh, an accelerated speed, and I can't imagine to listening to my brother and I at an accelerated speed. <laughs> What's I'm that? What is that? that what is that things. all about? What do you mean you're listening to us at an accelerated speed? Well, on the podcast player, you can click what speed you want to listen to it at. You know, like if you pick so that you can, if it's a 20-minute episode, you can listen to it in 10 minutes at 2.x. But I don't understand. I suddenly we speaking real fast. Well, you can't understand. Say, well, you could listen to it at 20.x, and it'll sound like Cousin It from the Adams Family. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. <laughs> oh my he God. says, I often step through the banter. And get to the meat and potatoes of both of your topics. All right, that's fine. If you don't want the banter, that's okay. But again, we are for real. You mentioned it yourself, James. <laughs> banter comes with the picture. <laughs> I'm on a fixed income, so I cannot buy any of your books. Um, but I'm considering something in the future. That's okay. That's totally okay, James. I'm 72 years old in July. And I drove a city bus for 24 years in a big city. So I stood the test of time there and met many interesting people, most of whom were nice. It is one of the most underrated of professions. Sorry for your recent loss, Bill. I lost my brother to cancer a year ago in March, 
and we use Zoom all the time to talk about the Bible, and he was a true scholar of the good book, and I learned a lot from him. And then James, and James, we're sorry for your loss. Uh, James writes, Kevin, you're a good fellow as well, if you read this. <laughs> Best wishes. Exclamation point. I told you were driving a bus in a big city because you kind of threatened me that I'm only a good fellow if I read this. So. Hey, hey, you talking to me? Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, sit down. This is my bus. <laughs> Hey, look, you know, if you can't afford a book, you can always go in the bookstore and put one under your coat. <laughs> can you imagine? Don't do it, James. Don't do it. <laughs> what a crazy... Uh, you know, our audience is definitely an eclectic bunch. Correct. I, you know, Kev, I want to give a little shout-out to a listener uh, who I had a conversation with. Uh, Rob in British Columbia, a, a transplant from the British Isles, he and his wife, and uh, good old bloke, and uh, Rob told me that many a Brit likes a good New York accent. <laughs> yeah, he's a real square shooter and a good guy, and he's got the Bigfoot bug, which started with some rocks being thrown at him and his wife. And his first question that he needed answers was, was what kind of animals throw rocks? And that led him down the trail of Bigfoot investigation, and he's like on fire questioning people, clients. Awesome. He's, he's, a, he's like a, a, a Rick from Ohio, uh, you know, in the birthing stage, because the stuff he's been finding out, just asking questions and inquiring of different people, it's just amazing, the information. Super cool. Yeah, so, you know, folks, the only way you're going to find out uh, or gather more information about Bigfoot in your life is to step out of the veil from behind the veil and risk asking the questions of people you know and meet. Because rarely is it going to happen that somebody's going to offer up something to you having not been uh, prodded to do so. So just keep that in mind. Awesome. Very good. Yep. Very yep. good. All right. And our last email comes in from Heather. And uh, Heather just writes, Hi, guys. Thought you might get a chuckle out of this. Thank you for the awesome podcast. And I'm going to describe, she she uh, put a comic here that I've already printed out and is hanging on my refrigerator, which is, you know, that's high marks inside of my house. <laughs> and it comes from bizarro.com, and I'll put uh, uh, a copy of the comic up on our website, bigfootterrainwoods.com, under episode 200. <laughs> and the comic I'll describe to you is a picture of Noah's Ark. So kind of coming at you and you see a couple of giraffes sticking their head up, a couple of cows and stuff like that looking over the edge. Classic sketch of Noah's Ark. And uh, the first uh, balloon of conversation comes up on the upper left and it says, did we get a couple of Sasquatches? 
And the balloon coming up from the right says, well, I haven't seen them. (laughs) (laughs) I like it, Heather. Yeah, that's a good comic strip. Good stuff. So that's it this week, Bill. I do want to give a little shout out, although I'm not being financially compensated for it. We talk about music sometimes on this show. And uh, I've mentioned I'm a big uh, Led Zeppelin fan, although they were a bit before my time. Unfortunately, I wish I uh, got to see them live. I did go uh, the night before last to see a classic uh, Zeppelin tribute band that's been around for quite some time called Get the Let Out. And oh my goodness, folks, if you're a Zeppelin fan at all and you get the opportunity to go see Get the Let Out, they play uh, all around the U.S., maybe Canada too, I don't know. Uh, Fantastic show yeah yeah really really good yeah there's a band here on long island kev called les l-e-z les zeppelin and Hmm. uh, it's three women ah Uh, i don't know why they tend to that les thing but whatever but that's what they call their band and they are freaking excellent yeah so i mean these these folks there's six of them in the band which of course you know, they pointed out isn't true to the four members of Led Zeppelin. But I really liked them for the music and that they didn't take themselves too seriously. Like, they didn't think they were Led Zeppelin. They just loved Led Zeppelin and loved playing the music. And they were pointing out that uh, it's it's uh, the music is so complex, it's virtually impossible for them to do with four people. Like, it, you know, it points out how exceptional... You know, Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones, Bonham, and uh, uh, Robert Plant were, Yeah, you know, in the day. Yeah, interesting stuff. Very cool. So great show. <laughs> Thanks, folks, for listening. Please give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast player. And if you want to give us a really nice written review as well, that's fantastic, too. Yeah, and uh, for those who have been with us, for 200 episodes uh, many thanks and looking forward to 200 more and remember folks if you should find yourself marching around the Cape Disappointment area or Hot Springs Arkansas for that matter you better remember one thing always carry more gun than you think you're gonna need. Sleep tight.